0: very big welcome to you all this morning. Things look a little bit different, I know, and I'll explain that in a moment. But firstly, I, I have the privilege of um, welcoming Georgiana Rose um, to our, our service first. Yeah, congratulations, guys, and welcome. And Ross and Heather, fulfilling their grandparental duties, have uh, come to be with the family at this time, too. Great to see you um, here with us as well. Well, things do look a a little bit different, and it will all make sense in a moment when we turn to um, the passage that we have before us um, this morning. It is the Passover. And I know we normally celebrate communion, the Lord's Supper, Eucharist, on the first Sunday of every month, but um, uh, today we just felt like it was impossible to look at this passage and to not celebrate this beautiful um, meal together as well, and it's an elaborate meal. As we will, as we will see, as we open the scriptures, it was no ordinary meal. It was a Passover celebration, the first day of unleavened bread. As that celebration was extended somewhat to cover the Passover week as well, and and so it was a very very festive time in the city of Jerusalem. It was an important meal, a meal to be had with family, and here we are, family. And here we are sharing this, this meal together. Um, as you, later, we will invite you, um, if, you if you are a, um, a believer, you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, um, later on we will invite you to actually um, share Uh, two elements that traditionally have been so important to the church throughout the church age as instructed by Jesus to take the symbol of wine and to take the symbol of bread. In our case, we have um, some very wine-looking grape juice. But to take these two symbols to recognise the importance of them as they symbolise the blood and and body of of Jesus Christ and to take them together as, as one church, one body under his under his headship. Um, you, as you take those symbols, you will be, you'll be tempted also perhaps to, I don't know, maybe dip it in hummus or take an olive or something. You will see a beautiful spread here. Um, and um, after our service, um, we would like to invite you to partake of this, this table um, as part of the morning tea with a little parental supervision over children if you. Could. Um, but, um, but this will actually also form part of our morning tea later on when we break. As you know, and you may be here for the first time at our, our service here at the Vine Baptist, and, and if that's the case, we normally head out to the veranda and, and go round into sort of a back room, follow somebody, they will, they will get you there, or follow the aroma of coffee, that'll get you there. And, and we would have morning tea together sort of outside and so forth. But feel free to do that, but to come back in and, and to come up around the table and to to share this fellowship meal together, to let it just linger into the the day, as it were. Um, Some years ago, um, Bron and I were invited to a, a very expensive restaurant, one that normally we would never go to. It was one where, I guess you were expected to know certain things, certain protocols and so forth, what to do with that particular knife and that particular fork and so on. Fortunately, we had somebody with us um, who was able to educate us and, and lead us through the, the whole meal. It was, it was amazing, elaborate um, some famous chef, whose name I didn't recognise at the time, and I've forgotten since. But I did enjoy um, all that was prepared for us, and it was explained to me at the at the time that as the entrees came out, and and I guess the disappointment on my face was visible. Um, very small, little itty bitty entrees, like nothing like is going to fill this stomach, and. And I remember the disappointment, but it was quickly explained to me. No, 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 don't, 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 don't panic, don't panic. It's all part of a, it's all part of a grand scheme here. You have to understand the meal as a whole. You have to understand that this is the entree. Um, in in French, it's like the entrance to the to the main course. It's to it's to prepare you. It's to create a sense of anticipation, and it did. I wanted more. Uh, It was very, very small, both in portions, but it was delectable. It was so delicious. And it was just to ready the taste buds for something else that was coming. And I guess the question I wanted to ask us this morning is, the Lord's Supper or just an entree? Turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 14. And let's read together from verse 10, actually, through to 26. Mark chapter 14. We're going to read from verse 10 through to 26. On the first day... Sorry, verse 10. I just jumped to verse 12 then myself ten. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money, so he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, "'Where do you want us to go "'and make preparations for you to eat the Passover?' "'So he sent two of his disciples, telling them, "'Go into the city, "'and a man carrying a jug of water will meet you. "'Follow him. "'Say to the owner of the house he enters, "'The teacher asks, "'Where is my guest room "'where I may eat the Passover with my disciples?' He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. The disciples left, went into the city and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. While they were reclining at the table eating, he said... Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They were saddened, and one by one they said to him, Surely you don't mean me. It is one of the twelve, he replied, one who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him, But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. While they were eating, Jesus took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them. And they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. Truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Lord, would you please a very familiar passage to many. But would you just speak it to us afresh like we're hearing it for the very first time. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, verses 10 and 11, I'll I'll just walk us through this a little bit and... And really, the whole of the message here is our introduction to the Lord's Supper, which we will share together shortly. But let's just have a little bit of a reflection and a think about this, this passage together. Verses 10 and 11 sort of set the scene, the context, which is actually perhaps more important than it, than it first appears. Judas Iscariot decides to betray Jesus. He goes to the chief priest. They are delighted to hear this. They promise to give him money. He's going to be paid for this treachery. And he starts to watch for an opportunity. So there is delight and reward, apparently, for the one who betrays Jesus. And they're looking for an opportunity, which you might think is fairly easy. And in some respects, it could be if, if Jesus happened to be in the temple at that time or so forth, but they were fearful of the crowds. They wanted to do it in secret, wanted to do it in a way in which they wouldn't, they wouldn't cause trouble, riot and uproar. And this was a little more complicated than you might think because right now, Jerusalem was a city just buzzing with people. And particularly leading up to the Passover, the Passover meal had to be celebrated within the walls of Jerusalem. So whilst many people would, would pilgrimage to Jerusalem and would gather in nearby towns for the actual Passover meal, everybody would descend upon the actual city. They would, they would meet in their homes. The streets were filled with people. And so if you were looking for someone, it actually would be a little bit hard to find them. That's the context. Nonetheless, the chief priests, along with Judas, are looking for an opportunity. And so perhaps that's what makes sense of this next part, the, the actual preparation. It seems, less not there, like a little bit of mystery around this. The disciples asked Jesus, well, where would you like us to prepare the meal for the Passover? And so Jesus replies, well, as you go into the city, you will, you'll see a man carrying a water jug, which was a woman's task. And so this was a little bit odd. But when they saw that man, they would follow him. And when they got to the house, they would go into the house and, and ask the owner about where they could eat the meal for the teacher. And this was, was an upstairs room with room to recline and furnishings and so forth. Archaeologists know that the the larger, more elaborate houses were further up the hill towards the temple. So this was in the the wealthier area of Jerusalem, away from the the poor areas where you could get the scent of sewerage and so forth. No, this was up towards the temple in one of the wealthier establishments, and that's where arrangements were to be made. But not even the disciples at this point know exactly which house. You see... This should not be interrupted. This was a moment that God was ordaining. If God allows an interruption in our lives, then he allows it for a purpose. But he is absolutely in control, sovereign control of everything. And this moment, this intimate, beautiful moment with the disciples was not to be interrupted. This was worship together. It was important And for that reason, Jesus makes arrangements which not even the disciples could truly understand. There would be no opportunity just yet for Jesus' arrest for this moment to be be stolen. It was a festive atmosphere in Jerusalem, busy, full of people, people everywhere. And Luke tells us that it fell to Peter and John to go ahead and to make the preparations they would go into the city they were the ones that were designated to go and make these preparations for the passover meal now normally you would you would share the passover meal as a family and the disciples with Jesus this was family Peter and John had the important task of going ahead and and preparing the feast, which possibly could be a big day. Taking the lamb up to the temple as everyone would be doing, maybe even a queue at the temple to get the lamb sacrificed as it had to be, then returning home and and then preparing it and cooking it and the evening meal would be around six o'clock and so it was a full day of preparations and later in the evening... Jesus and the rest of the disciples, they joined them at the house, ready for this, this elaborate meal. There was much preparation to, to be done. And I guess perhaps Peter and John and their preparations are a, a reminder to us about our preparation. We don't always talk about this at church, but, but our preparations for when we share the Lord's Supper together. Previous generation, well, there was, there was, when I was growing up, a little bit of a culture in our church to just have a time of quiet before a service, to, to bow your head and to just prepare your heart before the Lord. You'd, you'd come in from a busy week, a busy day. You'd probably had kids screaming in the car and so forth. And so, so the gathering together started with just a moment of quiet, and a moment of preparation. For those who serve, it's a reminder of what a privilege it is to to prepare the elements that we share together, the symbols that we share together as a community. And I know that many of you on various rosters, usually sort of the service support, isn't it, will be out in the kitchen earlier, you'll come to church earlier, You'll, you'll take out the communion cups and... And I think you've got a little squidgy bottle, haven't you? I'm never a part of this, but, but just squeezing the little grape juice into each little cup and so forth. And I, I wonder if you view that with the same sense of privilege that perhaps Peter and John did. I wonder if it's a chore or whether as you squeeze that juice into each little cup, preparing each one, whether you might even take a moment to just pray over what is about to take place, for it is a very, very special thing. It's a privilege to serve in the preparation of, of the Lord's Supper. And it's a privilege to partake. This is an important time for us as as Christians. We'll get into the exact meaning of this in a moment. But it is a time of preparation. And some people may prepare for for a Sunday service and so forth just by trying to slow down the pace as they get a little bit closer to the Sunday celebrations. Spend a little bit of time in the Word, a little bit more time in prayer, at least Sunday morning perhaps, taking whatever snippet of time that you might have to prepare your heart for all that the Lord might have. In verses 19 to 21, we now see, I guess, that what was previously thought to be delight and reward for the one who betrays Jesus, we now understand will be sadness and sorrow for the one who betrays Jesus. They were saddened one by one on the prediction of this betrayal and said, surely you don't mean me. Yes, it is one of the twelve, he replied, the one who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him, but woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. we would be better for him if he had not been born. This is a covenant meal. A new covenant. The Passover, Represented the old covenant. This is a new covenant meal. And and to share a meal together in, in biblical times was to share fellowship. It was to be in relationship with one another. To share a cup, to share bread. If you think about it, just inviting somebody else into your own home. You do that with people that you want relationship with, that you want fellowship with. And so it was particularly abhorrent to think that somebody sitting around that very table would betray Jesus. Yet this was prophesied. Psalm 41 says, I'll read from verse 4, I said, have mercy on me, Lord. Heal me, for I've sinned against you. Verse 5. My enemies say of me in malice, when will he die and his name perish? When one of them comes to see me, he speaks falsely. While his heart gathers slander, then he goes out and he spreads it around. All my enemies whisper together against me. They imagine the worst for me, saying a vile disease has afflicted him. He will never get up from the place where he lies. Verse 9. Even my close friend, someone I trusted, one who shared my bread, has turned against me. Jesus knew that it, it would go with him as it was predicted, as it was prophesied. But woe to the one who actually betrays him. It's a bit of an. An astounding statement, it would be better for him if he were never born. But life is filled with tragic circumstances and whether you're the victim or the perpetrator, the thought does flash through our minds sometimes, doesn't it? Oh, that is is so tough. Gee, I wonder whether it would be better for them had they not been born. Life is... Life is tough, but sometimes the life choices we make lead to almost unbearable anguish. And that was the case with Judas. Judas's role and his demise was, was here predicted by Jesus. But then Jesus leads into the new Passover meal. It was the usual blessing, but it was an unusual interpretation. It would have been usual for the master, Jesus in this case, the head of the table, to give the blessing for the food. But he changes this in a way that would have been unthinkable to to the Jews. Whilst they would have seen this as as symbols to actually assign it to his blessing, body and his blood that was unthinkable it was an unusual interpretation jesus says this bread as he broke it now represents my body which is broken for you this this cup scholars Talk about whether it was the third or the fourth cup of the meal, for there would be four cups. If it was the third, then Jesus does not take the fourth cup because he will not drink of this again until the new kingdom. If it's the fourth cup, then it is the last drink that Jesus will have of wine before the new kingdom. Third or fourth, we're not sure, but it represents his blood, which is shed for many. And this... With this comes a new covenant, a new promise, the promise of new relationship. Matthew adds to to this, my blood, which is shed for many. He adds for the forgiveness of sins. He leaves no doubt as to what it is that Jesus is doing here. His blood is shed so that we might be forgiven. Remember here that they're celebrating the Passover meal together, but Jesus is now giving it a new interpretation. A common understanding of the of the Passover meal is is that an angel of destruction, or that God, or or something disastrous that leads to judgment, is going to pass over all of Egypt. But the Israelites were instructed, remember. To go and sacrifice a lamb and to eat that eat that lamb and unleavened bread that night, and they would take to take some hyssop branches and and dip it in the blood of the lamb and then paint it over the threshold of each house. And as as that that destroyer passes passes by, a common understanding is that he will actually. Bypass, if you like, those houses where blood covers the door or the entrance to the house. You, you could put it like this. See, the destroyer will ignore the households that are covered by blood. But another understanding, just a different way of looking at this perhaps, in in Exodus chapter twelve, verse twenty three, is when the lord goes through the land to strike down the egyptians he will see the blood on the top and the sides of the doorframe and will pass over that way and he will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down that understanding would be it's not so much the lord bypassing the house as the lord actually passing over and shielding that household. He will not allow the destroyer to enter that house. In that sense, the blood which covers the door represents the Lord which covers the house or the household. He will not allow the destroyer to come and enter and pass judgment on that particular house. So Jesus takes this concept of Passover And with this new blessing, he gives a a different interpretation. And he says, it is now my blood which is going to cover you. I now will ensure that you are covered from any judgment that might come your way. I will do this. I will shield you from judgment. My blood now covers you and forgives you for all sin. It's a beautiful picture. And as, as the lamb is on the table, it is John who helps us to understand that, that Jesus is the sacrifice for our sins. He is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But now a sobering moment. As he offers the elements, he said, here is the bread, take it. Likewise, here is the cup and they share the cup together, just, just the one cup as we later will come as one body to one table and share one cup actually we're going to share a bunch of cups but notice the one cup luke adds luke chapter 22 verse verse 21 That the hand of the one who will betray me is on the table with mine. It's a sobering picture, isn't it? The twelve are sitting around the table, they are sharing the meal together. We know that the betrayer is identified as the one who dips his bread into the, the same dip with Jesus. One commentator thinks that may be as a way of usurping Jesus. For as the head of the table, he is the one who should dip the bread first. If that's the case, as Judas uses the same dip and, and dips his bread into that dip with Jesus, then it is an usurping of his authority. The betrayal is clear. But the way that Luke puts it is very, very vivid. The one or the hand of the one who will betray me is on the table with me. And I guess it's a reminder that as we come to the table, as we, as we share the Lord's Supper together, we, we all reach out our hand and we all take the bread. All of our hands are on the table, in a sense. And it's a time for self-examination. A time to make sure that we understand and are taking seriously the implications of this meal and of sharing the bread, which symbolizes the body of Christ broken for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. In the Corinthian church, things have gotten a little bit out of hand. There's a couple of abuses of the Lord's table. Some have just turned it into a, a, a family luncheon, a big feast where some of the poorer people in the church are going without, and Paul has to rebuke them for that. There's a flippancy and a disregard for the importance of of this meal. And so Paul instructs them once more regarding the protocol, and he says, this is my, as I pass on to you what was passed on to me. Jesus said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. As we take the cup, as we take the bread, let's remember Jesus For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whenever, sorry, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. So everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves that is why many of you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if you were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. So Paul is warning here of, of an attitude that is, that is unprepared. He's warning here of unconfessed sin and he's warning here of unforgiveness. These are... These are all things which can, which can disrupt this from being a, a true and beautiful act of worship, taking these elements and celebrating the covering of Jesus over us, shielding us from judgment. For if we do it in a flippant manner, if we haven't, if we haven't confessed sin, if we if we have unforgiveness in our heart towards somebody else in the body, we are missing the whole point of these elements. We're ignoring their significance as if, as if their covering was not over our lives and therefore we are not covered and we may come under judgment. That's what Paul is warning. Sinning against the bread and sitting against the cup is like a rebellion against the very thing that covers you from judgment, which is why Paul says, "Be careful that you do not drink judgment upon yourself." So, self-examination is is an important part. Of coming to the table together, to make sure that we have readied ourselves, prepared ourselves, as we all, as we all have a hand on the table reaching for the bread, to make sure that our attitude, our inner heart is, is correct and right and aligned with God's before we partake of this, lest we drink judgment on ourselves. A time of self-examination is, is proper. But then, lastly, it comes with the most wonderful promise. Yes, there's the forgiveness of sin. But Jesus then says, Truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the, from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Have you ever had a moment with family or friends, where you're saying farewell, but the next time you get together is going to be a wonderful time. It might be just before a birthday, a few weeks' time, where we're going to all be together for a birthday, or we're going to be all together for Christmas, or we're going to be all together on a holiday. And you may say to each other, well, I guess next time time we see you, we'll be all at the beach together. Or next time I see you, we'll all be sitting around the table celebrating Christmas. Or the next time we see you, we'll be all having a birthday party together. Or or some significant moment. And all of a sudden, it, it casts this moment into the shadow of the greater event. This is good, but hey, next time we get together, it's going to be unreal. This is great, but next time we're together, oh, can you imagine? And... And so Jesus says here, I'm not going to drink this cup again. I will not drink of this vine until I drink it afresh, drink it anew in the kingdom of heaven, the new kingdom. There is going to be a new banquet. There is going to be a, a wedding banquet where the, where the bride and the groom are united and she will, she will be presented before God with great splendor and joy a great banquet is coming and and the disciples are going to be sitting at it. And this is the promise for all of us who have, have understood that our sins are forgiven. We have been reconciled to God. We've been made right with God. We now have relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ. Through his broken body, through his shed blood, we now have relationship with God. And the promise for for us is that we will share a part of the new kingdom. So how, how ironic that in Luke 22 24 we read that an argument in this setting, an argument breaks out amongst the disciples as to who is the greatest. Again, <laughs> kind of thought we had that argument, thought we had that one. So they start talking around the table about who's going to be the greatest. They're juggling for position. Can you believe it? In the new kingdom. The irony is this table tells us you never have to juggle for position with God again. Your position is secured. Verse Verse 28 In Luke 22, Jesus goes on to say, don't you understand? You don't have to juggle for position here. You don't have to. There's no posturing. Your identity is secure because of what I'm about to do for you. Don't you see? You will be drinking this wine and and sharing this banquet with me in the new kingdom, and you will have... Distinguished positions, seats, and you will judge over the 12 tribes of Israel. Don't you understand the privilege that is yours now that you're with me? And so sharing the Lord's table together is a reminder of our our equal standing in the kingdom of heaven, that we, we will join Jesus at the banquet of which he will taste wine once more. Our identity is secured, and we never have to fight for a position with God and understand who we are again. He gives us our identity. The very best version of you is found in Jesus Christ. That's your identity. The very best version of you is found in Jesus Christ. Your position is secure. You will share the banquet in the coming kingdom. And then lastly, we read before we come to share at the table ourselves. Verse 26, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Which hymn? Wouldn't you love to know? What was Jesus' favourite hymn? Well, it was customary. It was customary to sing at this particular part of the Passover one of the Psalms, Psalm 113 to 118 in the Hillel. I had a look at them all. And I wonder whether it might be one of these. See what you think. Psalm 116 reads thus. I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. The cords of death, Entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. And then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. Return to your rest, verse 7 says, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For you, Lord, have delivered me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling." that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I trusted in the Lord when I said, I am greatly afflicted. In my alarm, I said, everyone is a liar. What shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. Truly, I am your servant, Lord. I serve you just as my mother did, and you have freed me from my chains. I will sacrifice a thank offering to you and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Do you think... If the Lord chose the hymn, he may have chosen that one. But then again, maybe he chose a Psalm 118. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Verse 5. When hard pressed, I cried to the Lord and he brought me into a spacious place. Verse 6. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can me immortals do to me? Verse 22. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Verse 23, the Lord has done this and it is marvellous in his eyes. The Lord has done this. Very, done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Verse 27 in the NLT, take the sacrifice and bind it with cords on the altar. Do you think Jesus may have chosen that hymn? Take the sacrifice and bind it with cords on the altar. They headed out to the, to the Mount of Olives. So, Passover meal, the last supper, or an entree into the kingdom of God? Sharing in this meal symbolises the way we enter and prepare for the coming kingdom. Probably around this time last year, I recall coming back from long service leave and sharing with you all, having been around Australia and just mixing and talking with everyday Aussies, How surprised I was at an openness to conversations about God, conversations about, about Jesus, conversations about Christianity. I came back enamored, really, with the gospel of grace. This is a gospel. This is good news for, for everyone. This is our good news, but it is good news for all of Australia. It's good news for the whole world. What good news is this gospel of grace? This is gospel food. The bread and the wine symbolizes the grace of God, which covers us from all sin, which covers us from judgment. Friends, come. Come. the table of grace come to this table experience the grace afresh if we have our eyes on jesus our eyes on the cross he will unite us together as one body and as one body we come to one table and at this one table we celebrate one savior and one lord that is jesus christ well, I'm going to invite the the band to to come up now. While I just give a give a couple of instructions, um, we're going to we're going to just linger in this moment a little bit. So please feel free to um, to take some time to prepare. Time for self-examination. you are part of the body of Christ, then you are welcome to come and to take these elements and celebrate the grace that is yours through Jesus. If you are not yet a a part of the body of Christ, but you would like to be, come and speak to one of the the pastoral team up the front. Come and sit with us and and we'll lead lead you through. What does it mean to be part of the family of God? And what would it mean for you to have your first communion? If you feel for some reason that you're not yet prepared today, you're not ready, then sometimes it is better, as we sometimes say, to let the the cup pass you by. In this case, it might be better to spend a little bit of time and do some preparatory work as part of that self-examination to to make sure there is no obstacle whatsoever to your being able to partake in these elements. Because it is a serious thing. But as the band leaders, um, I invite you to, to leave your, your chairs and, and basically to find a way to come down this center aisle because the bread which represents the body of Christ is all here. Um, come down this center aisle and then move off to the, to the left or the right and then take the cup of juice with you and, and re- then return back to your seat. Um, as you return to your seat Take the bread and as you as you eat the bread think about the body of Christ which was broken for you. You may like to contemplate a scripture such as 1 John 1:9. 1 if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You might like to can, consider other scriptures. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that lives, but Christ who lives within me. The life I live in the body I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Other scriptures, even just what we've been looking at, are very pertinent. Spend that time to do that. Hold the cup and we're going to drink together again to represent that one body coming to one table to celebrate one Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And we're going to represent the unity that we have through Jesus as one one body. Um, The only other thing I need to to tell you just at the moment is that for those um, who need gluten-free bread, just at the back there in the larger bowl, there is gluten-free bread for you to enjoy as well. So that means you do need to turn left um, as you come down the centre aisle. night that he was betrayed knowing full well what was ahead of him Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he said this is my body which is broken for you this morning too we invite you to break bread literally break bread together remember his body that was broken for you similarly as you as you take the cup Reflect on his blood, which was shed for many for the forgiveness of sins. Quite simply, he is grace. He's got you covered. He's got you covered. Praise God.